Moonlace is the artist name of Italian composer, sound artist, and performer Sofia Dili Alessandri Holquist. She's performed at world-renowned events and festivals like Moogfest and the Echo Society 6 Family. As a composer, her work can be heard on the Apple TV series Dickinson and the NBC show Good Girls, as well as many films and documentaries. This episode, we premiere Sofia's new piece, Evapora, and discuss genreless music and how live performance and solitary composition can influence each other. Stick around. Welcome to Chamber House. Sophie, thanks so much for joining us. Of course, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here and to be chatting with you. You're a pretty prolific performer as well as composer and recording artist. I'm curious how it's been during this time not being able to perform. You know, that's a really good question. I feel like 2018 and 2019 were really big performance years. I think in 2018, I played something crazy like 40 shows. And, you know, a lot of them are like DIY, whatever, but they're, they're performances still. And I think that even in 2020, I was able to sneak in, I think, four or five shows, even though I was like, you know, six to nine months pregnant. And to be honest, like once everything hit, I missed it. But it was also kind of like a nice moment to take a breather and to just kind of be like, OK, I realize I've been kind of doing my setup kind of this way now for a little bit like how can I start thinking about how it evolves and where it goes from there so in a way it kind of worked I did a few like live stream performances which was fun one of them was pre-recorded for National Sawdust two other ones were actually with my partner Ian Holtquist and they were fun but you know I think right now I'm in the moment where I'm kind of more trying to focus on new material and just kind of like diving in without the constraints of it so as much as I miss it I think I miss seeing other people perform more than I miss it myself you bring up an interesting point because being a performing artist, I imagine you approach a lot of your composition from that perspective, thinking like, okay, I need to consider how I might perform this live. It sounds like maybe it kind of frees you up to be like, okay, now that I don't have to think of that side, what are the limits? What aren't the limits anymore? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I unfortunately never really think about that until the end. I mean, especially at the beginning of when I was releasing music, I never even really thought about it. Also, because I was still performing a lot with a with a laptop and with Ableton when, you know, things with that are a lot easier because you can ultimately kind of have some backing tracks and then it's easier. But the approach with the the performance stuff that I've been doing lately, though, is more along the lines of kind of like a series that I have on YouTube called Live Ambient Improv, where it's just I pick elements and then every single performance is different. So, you know, but that also gets tiring kind of quickly because then you're you're trying to reinvent the wheel too many times and then you don't want to get stuck having to do the same performance over and over. But now I think I'm just trying to be a little bit more aware of performing and writing with the tools that I have and figuring out how I can recreate it more so than before, funny enough. But at the same time, as you said, it sometimes it can be kind of a hindrance. And especially when it comes to playing with live strings or with live instruments, because I'm a solo act, that brings in a whole other set of complications because you're like, okay, either I need to then have that on backing track and then that seems kind of weird. Or then I have to like find a way to be able to like play a bunch of shows with a bunch of live performers, which right, right yeah. now sounds crazy just because like I haven't been inside of like a closed room with any other individual <laughs> for so many months. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and I think my performance setup has definitely been great because it's informed my scoring work as well, because I essentially have my pedal board set up in a way that now, like if I'm writing something, I'm like, oh, great. I think I want to have these textures. Everything's already kind of plugged in and ready to go. And also it's just, I like the fact that the textures that I perform, 
then become part of the scores because then it makes the whole sound of who I am click together and somebody can listen to my music and then be like, okay, well, this is what a score might sound like. Yeah, I feel like the electronics world, especially, it's very easy to rabbit hole. You start somewhere and then you end up somewhere totally different. And so having your go-to things must help dial it in in a way that you can feel like you are using your voice. Absolutely. And I really think that performing and being a performing artist has had this symbiotic relationship with scoring. And I think the scoring helps the performances or the performances in the shows then help get hired on scores. So it's kind of like this great thing. And I I do think that my scoring career right now is kind of like outweighing the performance one. But, you know, it hasn't always been like that. They kind of go back and forth. So, you know, it's just kind of like a matter of trying to elevate them both at the same time, which so far, I think I've been able to do decently. Right. So what I love about your work is that you blur the lines between organic and electronic and so much that it's hard to tell which is which, but then you very specifically differentiate between them at other points. And I'm wondering how you make those decisions, being an electronic artist and an ambient artist as well, how you make those decisions to say, okay, now's the time to bring in the organic side. You know, I think it's more that I'm kind of always torn between the two. So I grew up not necessarily like intentionally listening to or being around a lot of classical music, but my grandmother always played it. I learned playing piano the very classical way. And and obviously, you know, when you go to college for music and then I went to grad school for music. So I think that that understanding has always been there with me. But at the same time, the electronics and just kind of like mangling sound and sound waves is also really speaks to me. So I think that it very much just depends on kind of like the scope of what I'm trying to do. We're so used to putting things in boxes and it's like young people like electronic music, older folks like classical. So I think that what I always try to do is like sometimes I'll write things that are more electronic. Sometimes I'll write things that are more like straight up classical. But then the hope is to kind of find this like middle ground where the label doesn't matter, where it's just kind of music that hopefully everyone will be able to listen to. And I think that's something that I've definitely struggled with. And, you know, I've talked to digital distributors with and a few labels or other people about how they're like, well, are you classical or are you like contemporary? Like, you know, always trying to like put a put a word on what I'm doing. And it's just ultimately like I'm just trying to write music that makes me feel like I've gotten something out of me. It's like you're not writing a genre. You're just writing music. Yeah. And then, you know, things just happen to be one way or another. And I think I definitely started on more of an electronic just because, I don't know, I just felt like it was a way for me to establish myself first in that way and then go kind of backwards. I don't want to say that like going backwards means like going classical, but, you know, going from harder to softer in a way made more sense in my mind. I want to talk about your piece, Evapora. It follows this kind of non-genre thing we're talking about here, and it's all so immersive and it's all so inviting. Well, so even when I do make things that are more electronic, a lot of the times they stem from an organic place, as in, you know, it's a field recording or it's something that is organic that then just gets digitized through being recorded. A lot of the textures and things in Evapora are either kind of bursts of white noise that have been just kind of filtered and stretched. I think there's some water samples from a hydrophone. And then there are some strings, but they're just kind of like mangled. And then there's definitely some modular plucks and beeps and stuff that you'll hear in there. But I don't know, when I sat down to try to write something, you know, it was a few months ago, and it would have been really easy, I think, to write something that was 
kind of heavy and depressing just because I, I think that a lot of us have been feeling all sorts of things. But what was interesting at the time when I was starting it was that we were kind of locked in the house, not even because of the pandemic, but because of the really bad wildfires. I was just thinking about all these things that we stay home and are kind of like fearful of, like you can't see them. You know what I mean? It's like right, things that are right. in the air that you can't put your finger on. So it was just this kind of idea of writing a piece that could be this way of kind of expelling and just kind of like pushing away this air and kind of have it evaporate away and have it be this like more joyful and more thoughtful moment of reflection being like things are going to be all right, I guess, as cliche as that sounds. But it all kind of derived from this sense of all these things that are intangible and all these feelings that we're feeling that we're all sharing. But, you know, it's things that you can't see, essentially. So that's kind of where I came from with that. And originally, I wasn't going to add vocals over it. But then I was feeling particularly sorrowful or joyful. I don't know. And I just felt like it was a nice humanizing addition to the, the track. Sophie, thanks so much for taking the time. Of course. Thank you again. This was a pleasure to write for. And I look forward to hearing more episodes. And now, Evapora by Drum and Lace. Evapora was performed by Drum and Lace. Chamberhouse is produced by Dabney Morris. See you next time.